Osiris. Before we get into today's episode, I want to take a second to tell you about Factor. Factor's delicious, ready-to-eat meals make eating better every day easy. Wherever tomorrow takes you, be ready with pre-prepared, chef-crafted, and dietitian approved meals delivered right to your door. You'll have over 35 different options a week to choose from, including keto, calorie smart, vegan and veggie, and more. And there's even more to enjoy with over 55 nutrition-packed add-ons that help make your weekly meal planning even more delicious. What are you waiting for? Get started today and have a feel-good week of meals ready to go. Get as much or as little as you need by choosing 6 to 18 meals per week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. Head to factormeals.com stormsound50 and use code stormsound50 to get 50% off your first box and along with two free wellness shots per box while the subscription is active. That's code stormsound50 at factormeals.com stormsound50 to get 50% off your first box and two free wellness shots per box while your subscription is active. Hi, listeners. I want to tell you about a cause that I'm involved with at Heritage Radio Network. HRN is celebrating its 15th year, and to celebrate, we're deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Welcome back to We Move Through Stormy Weather, a podcast by Storm Sound. My name is Ryan Storm, and today I'm joined by Jeff Arevalo. Primarily known as the percussionist for Goose, Jeff is a multi-instrumentalist who is a member of an incredibly wide-ranging variety of bands. Today, we're going to dive into some of his musical history and find out just how many projects he has going at once. Jeff, say hi. Hi, Ryan. Hello. Thank you so much for being on today. Very, very excited uh, to chat about uh, your music and your projects that you've got going on. I've been looking forward to this for a while. Before we get started, however, I'm very excited um, to announce that today's episode of We Move Through Stormy Weather is sponsored by Evergio Wellness. Evergio Functional Mushrooms are here to help right now, whether you are gearing up for a show, going to sleep afterwards, or recovering and restoring the day after. With a wide range of health benefits, Evergio Mushrooms help you make the most out of the moment through the ancient healing properties in their highly potent fruiting bodies. The organic certified therapeutic potency and their planet positive refill system are two of the many standout reasons that Avergio is my choice supplement. Be clear, chill, balanced, energized, protected, focused, and calm in the moment with Avergio mushrooms. Use code STORMSOUND15 for 15% off your order and it ships anywhere in the USA and Canada. Pretty cool Ooh. stuff. So without further ado... Um, you know, this is generally a fish podcast, so I just want to start with that kind of a jumping off point. Jeff, what is your 
history with uh, listening to Fish and being immersed in the music? Uh, so really cool story. Um, I believe it was after one of my first recording sessions, um, which was for my brother's album. And uh, I was playing percussion. And uh, his friend, Nicholas Craster, who's a, a very skilled guitarist, uh, especially in like the, uh, the flamenco tradition, um, he gave me a cassette and it was a fish tape. And he wanted me to listen to the way that Fishman plays, specifically like independence um, and, uh, and different polyrhythms. And, and the recording was Stash. Oh. So that, <laughs> that, that, was, uh, that was my first introduction. And uh, I was I was blown away at what what Fishman was able to do, and I I got pretty into it as a teenager. Bought a bunch of the live stuff. I don't remember how many. I probably bought like you know eight eight double discs live, and and I spun it pre pretty heavily in in um you know when I was probably sixteen years old, um, driving around in my car for the first time, and you know we still had uh, big like CD um, books. Mm -hmm. I remember having all the fish, uh, all the fish in there. So that's kind of how I got into it. It's pretty cool. So I, other than, you know, fish at that time, what other kind of music were you listening to when you were growing up, like as a kid in high school and college, like different stages? So, um, you know, I think as a kid, everyone listens to what their parents listen to. Right. Um, my dad was a big music fan. He He was in the restaurant business, but he was a musician on the weekends, had bands, played guitar, uh, all that stuff. And, and we actually had a, in our home, we had a really big CD library. Like a lot of people have, you know, studies with, with books wall to wall. Well, my dad had that, but we also had CDs wall to wall. Mm -hmm. And uh, he'd pick out five different discs every day, put it on the, the five disc changer. And there was speakers all throughout the house. So um, listen to a lot of like, blues, rock, Americana, jazz, some folk um, growing up. Um, I remember my mom was really, really into Eddie Money. So I listened to a lot of Eddie Money. And I also remember her um, being into the Doobie Brothers mm. and uh, some Steely Dan. And then nice. the, the radio was probably like 50s and 60s radio back when they used to play the, the old school stuff. Um, right. High school kind of got more into like rap, I guess. I mean, even before high school, uh, I was listening to a lot of rap, kind of grew up on hip hop and rap and stuff. Um, but, you know, I started, I kind of became a professional drummer around the age of 16. So I was playing a lot of top 40 stuff, classic rock, blues, um, one of the first original bands I was in, the, the guy Matt Gerhart was really into like Jack Johnson and sort of like surfy type stuff being from Sarasota, Florida. So there was a lot of sublime um, Jack Johnson, some OAR, that type of stuff. And then in college um, just dove really uh, head first into a lot of, a lot of jazz. Um, listened to a lot of jazz in college. Um, yeah, that was you were at Berkeley, right? Yes. Big, uh, very, very multifaceted musical background. That's really, really cool. And then were drums your first instrument? So, no, technically guitar was my first instrument when I was about eight or nine years old. 
Uh, I got a Red K electric guitar and this little five watt battery powered Marshall amp. And I remember the first song I learned how to play was Wild Thing. <laughs> a chords A, D, and E. And I'm this little kid trying to play this guitar and I'm singing it and, you know, taking a really long time to get to the chords and it hurt my fingers. I tried out for the school talent show and uh, playing that song, playing it and singing it. And I, I wish I had a video of that because it would be awesome. amazing. Uh, and they wanted me to like open up for like my rivals that had like put together this Beatles band. And, uh, you know, little little eight-year-old with a big ego, I was like, I'm not opening up for anybody. <laughs> and I uh, pretty much put the guitar down and went back to being a kid for eight years or whatever. Um, when I was 14 or 15, started playing percussion. Um, my brother and my dad bought me a set of congas, um, started learning some, some of like traditional rhythms. I had a really great teacher, and, and I gigged a little bit, uh, maybe for about a year or two. And then they bought me a drum set, and I just, I just dove into that head first. That's awesome. And then how did you get to you know, everything else? Like, you know, you play a ton of instruments. Like, did you just naturally pick up bass and keys and, you know, saxophone along the way? Um, well, being, being a drummer, uh, I remember the, the first bass player I played with, the first band I played with was my dad's band. And actually, I started on, on a cowbell and, and a, you know, a shaker and a tambourine. And then mm -hmm. I got some drum lessons. And uh, th then I would bring out a hi-hat and a snare drum. Then I got some more lessons. I added the, the kick drum. And then I was slowly building this drum set as I was as I was learning to play. Um, and this this bass player, rest in peace, Sanderson Poe, was an upright bass player. He was trained. Um, he was a jazz player. Uh, he played a lot of different stuff though. Um, and he kind of he kind of taught me how to play drums. And also, I mean, just playing with him, I fell in love with the instrument. And uh, he would show me some things on the bass. So I was like. I was really interested in the bass mm -hmm. and, and, and being a drummer, like hopefully you're listening to the bass a lot. So I would like, I get a bass line in my head and I would go to the bass and like learn how to play it. Um, and my brother's a bass player and a guitar player and my, my dad's a bass player and a guitar player. So he would, my brother would show me some things. He showed me like my first walking bass line. And um, it wasn't really until I took a break from school. I went year round twice. I did four semesters starting in the fall of 09. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, like the, I guess, 2011 and this first half of 2012, uh, I took a break from school. Uh, I didn't know what, what I wanted my major to be. And so I, I went back to Florida, and, and honestly, there weren't enough drum gigs. So I decided that I'll learn how to play bass. And uh, I started practicing, borrowed my brother's bass, and I was, like, learning his bass lines on his album and stuff. Mm -hmm. and i played my first show well for, i played i sat in and i played three songs and i'll never forget like how that felt um and then i played my first full show on bass and it was just like full steam ahead from there and then i took some lessons on the upright and then it probably wasn't until years later that i really started gigging on that full-time maybe 14 maybe 2014 when i came back from college that right i started taking that instrument seriously got it and so you know you mentioned being from florida um how did you you know i know you've lived in some different places but how did you end up in connecticut and originally connect with the other guys from goose and originally Vasudo? 
Uh, so 2009, Boston. Uh, it was first period harmony. I think it was harmony two with Eric Byers, great teacher. And uh, I was in there and Rick was in there. And uh, I was probably, you know, a, a smart ass the first week of school or something. I tended to be like a class clown teacher's pet. I don't know what you want to call Track. it. Uh, yeah, yeah. So second week of school, he's like, hey, you want to hang out? And uh, we became fast friends. Um, so sort of sort of best friends since since the beginning, 2009. And that's when I started visiting Connecticut. Um, and then I guess it wasn't in two, 2012 that I joined Vasudo. Um, and then I graduated. I graduated December of 13. I moved back to Florida in 2014. And then I came back, came back that year to do some of the St. John's Revival stuff, which is a band yeah. two people know about that, that predates Goose. That's, a, um, I think, Elmeg is a St. John's Revival tune. I know there are a couple. Yeah, I, I don't know exactly what, which of Rick's tunes. You just play the drums. Yeah, which, which, which tunes belong to which band name. But yeah. um, we did that in 2014. And then... Uh, he he like he went back to school and finished and i think it was august of 2016 i came up for his like graduation party and we we played some funny gigs and he's like yeah you should uh you should uh, you should move up here and he planted that seed and i went back to florida and uh, i was i was you know looking at 30 i was about 29 years old and i was looking at what i was doing and uh i i decided if if i was going to leave florida it was going to be now Right. And I, let, I left Florida May 4th, 2017, moved to Connecticut. Rick, uh, Rick and his mom let me stay with him for about a month until I figured stuff out. And uh, the rest is history, as they say. So obviously, um, you know, people know you as the uh, percussionist and uh, leader of the gong gang uh, in Goose. Um, but obviously, as I mentioned in the intro, you are in so many different bands uh right now let's let's talk about some of them uh you know what what are what else do you have going on outside (laughs) so there's a few uh i gotta write them down so i keep track of all of them (laughs) um so obviously goose um people some people know about Vasudo. so this is a band that kind of uh predated goose uh we we put out an album called call it lewis check that out um array below is the acoustic trio Peter, Rick, and I, we just played a show. Um, we need more check, of those shows. We do. We do need more of those shows. Check that out. Um, there's another group that uh, that I can't really talk about yet, so stay tuned. And then uh, Tupelo Conjure, I think you shared our new single the other day. I did. Yeah, it came out recently uh, called Supernova. That's it. So this is a Florida band, Florida-based band, sort of built out of best friends. We're working on our second album. I think the band was formed in 2014. I forget. But uh, yeah, we started recording the second album kind of like, kind of after I moved up here. I would just go visit and um, we would do sessions. Rick Almarode is the leader of that band. The mm-hmm. other Rick, that's one reason I call Rick Rich, so I don't confuse these two. Uh- um Stephen, are, are you the are you the root of the confusion between I'm Rich not. and Rick? I am not. I okay. I take no credit for that. That's <laughs> uh, you got to ask somebody else. I, I don't know. Stephen Durst is the bass player of that band. 
Um, one of my best friends from high school, he's, uh, I mean, outside of Trevor, he's, he's my bass player. We've been playing together since 2007. I feel like he knows what I'm going to do before I do it. So uh, he's my buddy. Uh, we got Ben Alamon on keyboards in that band. Mm-hmm. Um, another Berkeley guy. He played with Dr. John. He played with Ryan Adams. And he played in Grace Potter's band, among others. I'm forgetting the name of his like current projects, but great guy. And then Michael Signs is is a good friend. And he did a lot of the uh, the production work on that, the sort of DJ and, and the drum programming and stuff. And then Philip Creamer is our... Uh, our, our newest member and he did the vocals on that track and we're, we're very excited to have him he's uh mm-hmm. incredibly talented so yeah supernova that's the first track on the uh forthcoming album did you guys record this in person or are you virtually collaborating from connecticut everything was recorded uh in person like i said i, w- I would visit florida and uh it was mostly recorded at bay sound studios there in sarasota florida I think Rick, the leader of the band, went to New Orleans with Ben to do the, the keyboard tracks. And he actually did, Philip did the vocal tracks in Nashville. So it's, it's probably been recorded in three or four different studios, but all in person. And how long has this album been in the works for? Is this a recent project? I feel, like, I feel like we may have been working on it since 2017, piecing it together with, with uh, the different tracks. Yeah, well, check out Supernova. It's on streaming services. Great tune. Can't wait to hear the rest. We have not gone through all of your bands yet. Yes, sorry. There's more. I I got stuck at Tupelo Conjure. Yeah, Tupelo, like I said, we we have, I say we're working on our second album, but we kind of had an acoustic EP also. So the first album was called The Leptons. That's on Spotify and all that stuff. You can check that out. So tonight, I'm playing with my band Jed, J-E- two d's and i'm in that band with uh, the edwards brothers previn edwards on guitar and kieran edwards mostly on keyboards although he also plays guitar and we have a bass player named max parati who we call mango max tonight we're at toad's place in new haven uh opening for spafford so we're very excited about that how did this band come together and i know based on what i've seen off of your release on Bandcamp, you guys play a really interesting mix of tunes and i'm curious how you guys uh, you know, came together as a band and how you decided what you were going to play. Yeah, so I actually met met the brothers through Peter. Um, I'm not sure how he met them, but it was something like maybe Previn was borrowing Peter's bass head and I wanted to use it. And there was a, actually a chance that they could have a place for me to practice my drums. I lived in an apartment and uh, didn't have a place to practice for a whole year. So it's pretty difficult being a professional drummer and uh, not being able to practice. So met them, became fast friends with Previn, and they actually let me set a drum set up in the basement of their house. And we just kind of started jamming. And uh, I remember the first time I jammed with with Previn and Kieran, it was just the three of us, drums, keys, and guitar. And uh, we just made some beautiful music just just off the cuff and i was like we got to keep doing this yeah so that's kind of how the band born i just sort of thought of a name i was like jeff edwards jed great and (laughs) and, uh, yeah that's kind of how that went yeah so that stuck uh we our first bassist was fran incredibly creative guy and, and we did some recordings with him some original stuff we our bass player max now 
another great guy, plays in, in a band called Honeydew, among others, locally. We really love Max and the energy that he brings to it. So, uh, yeah, we're going we're gonna to work on, um, you know, creating more of our own music and playing yeah, less of other people's. Covered, I saw you guys have covered, like, Krungbin, King Gizzard, like, oh, crazy yeah. stuff. So, it's cool. Crazy. Crazy. Tour. So, Holy Smokes. What's Holy Smokes? Holy Smokes. Very fun cover band. I've been playing with these guys probably since, like, 2018. I sort of took a break for music in 2017 to focus on another career. I was in sales for a few years. And, and I Rick and Peter roped you back in? <laughs> no, actually, my friend, uh, my friend Jake, Jake Hetty, actually wrote me back in. And I'll get to him eventually. He kind of brought me out of retirement. He was a friend I met in Florida that lives in Providence now. I started going to some, some open mics here to get out and play and uh, also got back into teaching lessons and I was teaching some of my clients, some of my sales clients, uh, students, guitar lessons. And uh, I went to Sam Ash to purchase a guitar from one of my students and the sales associate there, Duncan Lindsay, was like, hey, uh, we got this jam on Tuesday. Why don't you come down? And uh, so I went down to the jam. It was at Stella Blues in New Haven. And had a blast. He introduced me to Marty Carney, who's the lead singer of The Holy Smokes. He's actually a plastic surgeon at Yale. Next thing you knew, we had a band and uh, we, we called it The Holy Smokes. We're still playing. Duncan was our first guitarist. He kind of moved away. Uh, we had another guy and I'm blanking on his name right now, which is unfortunate. <laughs> and, then, and then Duncan moved back and uh, Jordan, Jordan was our second guitarist. He graduated and left. Uh, Duncan moved back. He's sort of back in the band when he can do it. And it's just, it's really fun. I play electric bass in that one. And it's sort of a mix between like rock and Americana and whatever else we want to play. Yeah. Very cool. Nothing but fun. Mm -hmm. All right. Next band, Velez. So back to that, when I started going to open mics, I was sort of at this like old man jam in Norwalk. And all these weekend warriors would bring their guitar rigs out and play the same song every week. And I'd go... <laughs> I'd go play bass and drums on whatever I could do. And this young kid came in, Jeffrey Velez, came in playing guitar and Jeffrey singing. Jeffrey Velez, not to be confused with Jeffrey Arevalo. Very similar sounding names. So he's, he's uh, amongst friends, he's J1 and I'm J2. Um, <laughs> we call the band Velez. You can check him out on Instagram. Call me Velez, V-E-L-E-Z. Incredibly talented singer, songwriter, guitar player. We have a trio together. Really want to get really want to get him in the band in the studio because I think everyone needs to hear his music. Yeah. And I, and I play the five string electric bass in that band. It's sort I call it neo soul but it's sort of rock, blues, R&B and his his harmony is really colorful so I guess you'd have to throw some jazz in there. Mm -hmm. That's Velez. All right, we're moving along here. Oh, and I've been playing with those guys for probably since 2018 also. So, next band Lucidity. This is a, a newer project for us. This is a, a Tame Impala tribute group. It's myself on bass, both Edwards brothers. Previn's sort of the leader on guitar, keys. I play some synth bass. Uh, he plays some synth. Kieran plays lots of keyboards. We have Alex Bailey, the drummer for Eggy, is in that band. And we have our good buddy uh, Garrett on percussion. And uh, we just booked a show, our second show. 
and our New York City debut. We're playing at the Sultan Room in Brooklyn on November 26th. Wow. So uh, very excited for that. Yeah, love it. If you like Tame Impala, you're going to love this band. Sounds very exciting. Very exciting. And then I sort of have three more guys here. Jake Hetty, who I mentioned earlier, kind of brought me out of retirement. He was a friend, keyboard player that I played with in Florida, and I found out he lived in New England. And uh, he, he sort of he hired me for my first gig in New England when I was living here. And uh, I'm actually going to play drums with him this Friday night in Providence at Barnaby's Public House, I think, something like that. So, Jake, honorable mention. Uh, we have Matt McNulty, who I'm playing with on Saturday. And uh, that's the host of Ghost Show. And we're covering a bunch of fish tunes with Chris DeAngelis from Kung Fu and Isaac Young, I believe is his last name, from No Mind. This is um, your, this is your uh, pre-fall tour rehearsal time right here? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I got to keep my, my chops up. So what exactly. better way than playing with 10 different bands? Yeah. Yeah, so that's Saturday. And then after that, actually, Velez is playing a show at O'Neill's in Norwalk. Uh, that's 10 to 1. So got nice four drum gigs this weekend, four different bands. Keep the chops up. Yeah. And then uh, Farmer Pete. Pete Campbell is Matt Campbell's older brother. Matt Campbell is the keyboard player, uh, singer, and songwriter uh, from Vasudo. Farmer Pete started writing songs, and he's recording an album. And I've been recording some bass and drums for him. So very excited to uh, continue that and help him finish his album. I think he's a he's a great songwriter. Having a lot of fun playing with him. And then I have to mention my brother Pedro Ravelo. I played on his first three albums, and uh, we're trying to make a plan to record another one. So very excited for that. Uh, we're gonna figure out how to do that, and um, hopefully had our get our dad involved too. So yeah, that that that's all that I can think of right now. There may be some other bands that I'm forgetting, and um, you just know, the a, band- just just a few projects that you're involved. in. Yeah, and the bands I haven't uh, I haven't even started yet. So yeah, um, I'm curious. Do do you find it uh, difficult sometimes to pivot between the two? I know you played a Jed gig the day after uh, Radio City with Goose in June, and sometimes it's a very quick turnaround. Is there ever like a, you know, adjustment period or, you know, sometimes you feel a little bit like disoriented going from one to the other so quickly? Yes and no. One thing I love about it is that it's always fresh, you know, doing something different all the time. You know, I play a lot of instruments and I have a lot of interests and I like a lot of different music. So I feel like I have to be in a lot of different bands in order to fulfill my, my like creative needs. So, you know, scheduling is one thing. You know, Goose obviously is is the main thing and it's going to stay the main thing. So I just try to fit the other groups in when I can around that mm-hmm. and, um, you know, find time for rehearsal. I, I We rehearsed last night for our show today. You know, I got three more shows. And then right after I come back from tour, I got to start rehearsing for the other the other bands. So it's fun. I really like to stay busy and I love making music every day. I get I get stir crazy when I when I sit for too long. So you alluded to earlier, you know, being brought out of retirement and how you kind of <laughs> got roped into Goose uh, in a way in uh, 2020. Do you mind sharing that story? I'm really curious how that happened. You went from sales to bingo tour. yeah so you know jake kind of brought me out of retirement and i i met velez jeffrey and we started playing and and the holy smokes were sort of happening and then uh what really did it was you know i i mentioned that i had i'd learned some double bass and uh 
there's a store here. There's a chain of stores here. I think it's owned by Guitar Center. It's called Music and Arts. And I found out that you could rent a, a, an upright, a double bass, for like $60 a month or something. So I was like, this is great. I went, I, I rented the bass, went to, went to Rick's house. Peter, Rick, and I started rehearsing some songs. I think the first song we played was Elvis. And uh, that got us ready to play at Tribus Brewery, which is kind of where Array Below was born. Mm-hmm. And w- we, did a few, we did a few gigs at the brewery. And then um, pre-pandemic, this is actually November 2019, the three of us rented a house together. Um, you know, I was still doing the sales thing. They were still on the road with Goose. The pandemic happened. They came home in March. Uh, they did the Tease House the first weekend. And then the second weekend, we started the uh, the acoustic thing. Yeah. So so we started Array Below live streaming from our home. And we started doing those. And then Peter was finally mixing this uh, Vasudo show, maybe from 2019. I was playing drums on the gig. And Ben Ben showed up and sat in and uh, played a few songs. And uh, one of them was Cross-Eyed and Painless. And Peter was like, and I, I played percussion when Ben yeah. jumped on the kit. Peter was really into the sound of Goose plus percussion. Right. And then, uh, you know, they started talking and sort of invited me to join the band. This is in May of 2020. So I had about a month to get my percussion chops together pre-bingo tour. <laughs> and learn all the songs, yeah. <laughs> that must have been fun, too, your first show experience with Goose being one where the set list was completely random, and so you couldn't prepare, Yeah, you know, what was going to be played that night. Yeah, don't recommend it. I mean, <laughs> I I had a blast, but holy cow, what what a way to, like, you know, make a debut with a band. Like, oh, yeah, we don't know what's next. Um, good luck. You need to know 100 songs. Like, here we go. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I, I think that the Vasudo background and, you know, having played some of the songs before must have helped. But that's still a crazy, you know, being thrown into the deep end of the pool experience. Yeah. And I, I think I was prepared for it. One, you know, was my relationship with, with Rick and Trevor. And and the other thing was just that, you know, I learned how to play at like open mics and jams, performing songs I didn't know in front of an audience. Right. So, you know, it's not that I don't make mistakes. I think it's just that I know how to recover quickly (laughs) (laughs) or or fake it, fake it until I make it, I guess. Is there Um, a, do do you have a favorite memory from bingo tour? Like a moment that either stuck out to you is, Oh my God, this is crazy. Or just a moment where you felt that, you know, it really clicked with the band. uh, A couple moments. The first one was that jive two was the first ball pulled. And uh, I was like, yes, I got this one. Um, (laughs) And we were actually doing double drums back then on Jive 2. But uh, no, I remember being really nervous that Rock the Casbah was going to get pulled and I would have to sing like immediately. And (laughs) and it didn't, I think what happened is it didn't actually get pulled. Yeah, you did it in Butter Rum on the encore the last night. Yes, we did that. We did that third set, I think, uh, live to Facebook. No, so Butter Rum... Casbah Butter Rum, I think, closed the fourth night, and then the the the, the secret set was Trevor singing "Achy Breaky Heart" and Arrow. Yeah, I remember being pretty exhausted during that third set. <laughs> okay, but uh, yeah, well, you know better than I do, so thank you. I I, I tried. So <laughs> um, so do you have a favorite Goose song to play? You know, the first one that came to mind was was SOS. 
Dawn. Yeah. That was just the first one that I was like, I just, I can't wait to play this song. Mm-hmm. And um, oddly enough, Dawn was the first thing that I recorded for the band, doubling, doubling Ben's drum part at our home uh, when the boys came home during the pandemic. Yeah. So, so that song is uh, still one of my favorites. You know, how do you decide what songs get percussion and what songs you're on kit for? And does that change dependent on how you're feeling? Or is it set in stone? Like every Bob Don, you're always on the kit or, you know, every All I Need, you're always on combat. It's definitely collaborative. Um, in the beginning, it took me a really long time to sort of decide what to play on what song. And then I think there's some songs that obviously you know, need the percussion element. And then there's some songs where like, I just don't really know what to play on percussion. So drum set makes more sense. Rich will give me some direction like, hey, hey, play drums on this one. Or Ben will give me some direction like, hey, could you play percussion on this one? Yeah. So it's not set in stone. And, uh, you know, I've been known to, to hop on drums when I get excited. Um, <laughs> Or, or, you know, hop on, on percussion or whatever. So it's, it, you can tell sometimes on the video, I know uh, the Arcadia from Radio City when you guys were with Trey. Uh, I know you don't, you don't usually play drums on that one, but you were like the peak of the jam. There's a good, there's a good shot on the video where you're. Oh, excited. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I think I know what you're talking about. Yeah. And then like, so Arcadia, like there, there's a part in the outro where like it gets really big and loud and, Sometimes having two drum sets right there is just really exciting. Yeah. Do, do you and Ben uh, practice separately from the rest of the band sometimes to dial in the sound, or is it just full band rehearsal? Uh, we have. We've definitely done a, a done of our share of shedding, but I, I think a lot of it is you know all together, so we know yeah. so we know exactly like you know what everyone is doing. Yeah. You guys um, sound very good as a dual uh, drumming duo. Thank you. We're still we're still working on it. Yeah, can only I mean, going up from here is even more impressive. Your favorite meal for pre and post show? Whew. This is hard. So shows on the road, touring, whatever. Um, sometimes you know we're at the mercy of what food is available in the area. Yeah. Certain venues and and festivals and that type of stuff have catering, which is nice. Um, one thing about catering is you can't really choose what you eat a lot of times, mm-hmm. but anytime it's like more of like a home cooked meal, that's great. I, uh, you know, I'm, I'm an omnivore. I like to eat, you know, a burger or a steak or, you know, tacos, pre-meal, um, pre-show, post-show could be tacos, could be sushi. Uh, I've been known to, to make popcorn on the bus, uh, after nice. a show. <laughs> I think that uh, I think that covers it all. It's good. Tacos are very, you know, a meal for any occasion. I think I'm 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 pro uh, Mexican cuisine. That's good. Me too. Yeah. It's, yeah. Burrito is probably one of my favorite things. To eat. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So given the fact that you you know play drums for three hours a night at shows, like, do you consider yourself an athlete? Um. I mean. Yes and no. So I, I consider all musicians athletes because, I mean, I think that the upright bass may be even more physical than the drum set in a different way. But I think drummers more like athletes. Yeah. And, uh, you know, they t- tend to be the guys that, you know, hit the gym and, 
and whatnot because it is so physical. I know Ben sweats a lot when he plays drums, and and I sweat a lot when I'm the only drummer. <laughs> I don't really <laughs> I don't really sweat when I'm the second drummer because it's uh I think there's a lot less pressure there. But yes, and uh, I go through periods where I'm either in the gym five days a week or I'm in the gym no days a week. So this is uh I'm back on another fitness journey. Yeah. Uh, you you could say. I went to the gym last week for like maybe the fourth time this year, but uh, you know you got to start somewhere. I'm a creature of habit, and and like I said, I'm either I'm either doing it all the time or I'm not. So yes and no. Uh, I do play disc golf. Nice. That's probably my sport of choice. You know, bar sports are fun. I don't want to put myself in harm's way and like risk an injury playing mm-hmm. a sport. So I have to like choose wisely. Yeah. And, and try to, you know, try to take care of my body, my hands, especially. So mm-hmm. for sure. What what has been uh, your favorite venue that you've seen music in and your favorite venue that you've played music? This is really cool. Um, and it's really hard because there's like there's been a lot of venues, especially recently, like yeah. honorable mention being Radio City, Mohegan Arena, Red Rocks, the, the Greek Theater like the Sylvie and Madison and then other, other like, uh, you know, outdoor type places like uh, uh, the caverns, things like that. All very cool. This was like, it just came to me immediately. The, the coolest venue I've seen music at is Forest Hill Stadium. This is in, it's in Queens, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's in Brooklyn somewhere, Brooklyn, Queens. It is a giant tennis stadium that is almost like a coliseum. Apparently, they've been having music and doing concerts there since the Beatles in 1964 or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we recently went there and saw Bon Iver and Bonnie Light Horseman. And uh, the venue blew me away. And um, I'm going back to see King Gizzard on October 21st, and I cannot nice. wait. And w- what's funny is that my favorite music or my favorite venue to play music at yeah. is, is based off Forest Hills. And it's Westville Music Bowl. So yeah. these are two tennis stadiums turned concert venues. Right. And uh, we've played Westville about twice a year now. Um, last year being the sort of CD release of Shenanigans Nightclub. Yeah. And, and this year sort of being uh, similarly for Dripfield. You know, I love, I love the staff there, really close with, with all the staff there, but um, the sound, it's just like built, it's, it was built for sports, it's built for tennis, but imagine, th- think about a tennis match, right? You can like, you can really hear when they hit the ball and when the ball hits the court. So like, you put drums in there. Yeah. I mean, I just, I feel like when I'm playing on the stage, I can hear the drums like, bounce around and come back it's just like mm-hmm. it's like it's made for music even though it was made for sports yeah that's amazing it's and really cool a venue that's on your bucket list to play msg the gorge i don't know some place in europe i don't even know about um <laughs> any european club <laughs> uh, yeah no like you know maybe like the coliseum or you know they, they got cool stuff over there that, yeah I don't even know about. Yeah. I know. I noticed uh, recently at the beginning of this summer, I think you switched from regular in-ear monitors to over-ear headphones. Um, What was behind that decision? I know John Mayer did that with Dead & Company last year. And I think he spoke about how he can hear the rest of the band better and, you know, improves his play. Was that part of the reason? Were you, you know, drowning out 
your own in-ear mix with the drums you were playing? <laughs> hmm. Interesting. This is a, this is a hot topic. This is a really hot topic. And people even ask me like what I listen to on my yeah. headphones, <laughs> which is really <laughs> funny. So I, uh, I never got like custom molds for my mm -hmm. in-ears. So I was using these universal in-ears, which are basically just high-end earbuds. Um, I was using the Shores and I, I was just having a problem with them twisting in my ear canal and sort of like choking the signal, like losing the sound. And uh, I got tired of, of adjusting that. And um, I'm, you know, I'm really busy, so it was hard to get to the audiologist. So it was, uh, we were having some tech rehearsals at Rock Lidditz in Pennsylvania. I was just like, we're getting headphones around here. Let me just, let me just try rocking some headphones. Yeah. And I immediately fell in love with it. And uh, there's a few, there's like at least three reasons. One, it's, it's kind of weird to sing when you plug your ears. Yeah. And, and when you have in-ears in your ears, it's essentially plugging your ears. So I, ne I couldn't really get the hang of that. Number two, when you have the earbuds in, they say it's like, you know, 26 decibels of isolation or whatever. But when, you, when you're playing a drum set, the sound source is right in front of you. And so like I'm, I'm judging my dynamics and a lot of that off the sound coming immediately off the source. So I don't really want to plug my ears and, and the, the headphones allow like a little bit more bleed so mm -hmm. that I can actually hear myself better. And then lastly, vocally, just like I feel like, right, the, the headphones are much bigger uh, diaphragms. They're, they're just larger speakers for your ears. Right. So things sound better, especially uh, the voice. So it's just like it's, it's easier to sing and it sounds better. And I think it's easier for me to tune my voice. And there's, uh, there's greater bass response. And, and it, it looks cool. And... Um, they're a lot easier to take on and off, which I like. Yeah. I just yeah. throw them on, throw them off. I don't have to like try to get this thing in my ear and do all this stuff, you know, and worry about the cable and. Right. Yeah. Right. All that. And Justin um, Vernon does it. You said John Mayer, but Justin Vernon from Bon Iver also wears headphones. There you go. Where did the nickname Jeb come from? <laughs> it's really fun. It's funny how hard that one stuck. So. Pretty simply, we, we, were, uh, we were all in the van um, driving to 48, 48 Festival, um, Green Skies Festival in West Virginia. Mm -hmm. And um, I like to give Trevor a break. I think I'm a better driver than I am a passenger. And uh, he's, he's done, you know, uh, many, many miles on the road. Mm -hmm. um, so I like to give him a break. And I was driving through West Virginia. And I think I just like... I think I went like too fast over some train tracks or something. And uh, I was probably coach and he's like, dang, Jebediah, slow it down. <laughs> and, uh, and it just stuck. And uh, here we are. Yeah. Solid. West Virginia, <laughs> driving, driving the van through West Virginia too fast. It's a, it's a good way to get a, it's a good way to get a nickname. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was definitely organic. Yeah. That's good. Uh, so, um, what are you, what are you most excited about? Um, you know, this fall, obviously goose has a lot going on. You know, you've got the drip field fall tour in October. You've got the to tour in November, goose miss in Colorado. 
New Year's in Cincinnati, the whole the whole thing. What do you what what are a couple of things about this upcoming fall that you are most excited about? Well, I think you just named them all. Um, yes. <laughs> so there's a few there. Really excited for this tour, the, the one we're about to leave on. Love love New Orleans. I love Austin, uh, Atlanta. I'm just really really excited about a lot of the stops we're making along the way. And the tour actually ends on my birthday in Austin. Gonna gonna have too much fun there as I did last year. I'm gonna I'm gonna hang out for a couple of days and uh, just just take some time to to explore the city. Maybe get down to San Antonio because I haven't been there. Really excited for that. Yeah, I'm very excited for for ACL and Stubbs. I mean, mm-hmm. Stubbs is like it's it's a legendary venue so it's it's just it's cool to play these places that you know your 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 heroes and your idols have played and like live recordings that you've uh you know cherished for years you know like so many artists have done live at stubs and and acl and all that stuff so very excited for that to boost i mean to just share the stage with with trey again and and the rest of the band i got to meet russ and and Ciro at Peach, uh, Russ is very excited for the drum jams, and um, as am I. And I'm very excited to to get inside Ciro's world a little bit and learn there's from a, him. There's a lot going on in there. <laughs> oh my gosh! Yeah, I'm just like, <laughs> I, I just hope I can scratch the surface there. Yeah, you're gonna um, walk away with some, uh, you know, pool flippers in your just in like your percussion rig by the end. All kind, just swinging tubes around and yeah, <laughs> all all kinds of stuff. Uh, so very excited for that. Also very excited to uh, to meet James Casey mm-hmm. and uh, hopefully hopefully take some saxophone lessons from him and and or like get to play with him. I don't know. So that's very exciting. Uh, December we love Goosemas. We love Colorado. Really excited for what's going to happen there. Yep, yep. It's all coming together. And then last but not least, Cincinnati. I was born in Cincinnati. Oh man. Um, I moved to Southern Florida when I was eight years old. It's a hometown show for me. All my family's going to be there. It's going to be my dad's first show. So shout out to Acoustic Pete. And few people know this kind of, but I think Goose's first like big following was from the Cincinnati area, specifically yeah, Covington. Covington, Kentucky, which is just just over the river in Kentucky. So excited for all that. I'm excited for what gong gang has coming for you. I'm excited for things I can't talk about. And uh, I'm excited to make an album with my brother. Amazing. There's, there's so much to be excited about. Yes, absolutely. Thank you so much, uh, Jeff, for coming on today. It's been an absolute honor and a pleasure uh, to have you on the podcast. Um, thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Ryan. My pleasure. Don't forget, everybody, check out uh, Tupelo Conjure's uh, new single, Supernova, um, available on all streaming platforms. And you have lots of opportunities to see Jeff in uh, one of his many incarnations uh, or bands uh, over the next few months. Don't forget, uh, for all you Goose fans, uh, Always Almost There will be live at 3 o'clock p.m. Eastern, the day after every Goose show for Fall Tour, for Taboose, Goosemas, and New Year's. Every show the day after, come join us. Share uh, your experience. If you are attending a show this fall and you would like to be a guest on Always Almost There Live, 
send us a DM uh, on social media at AATGoosePod um, or email us AATGoosePod at gmail.com. We're very excited to be doing this and to have lots of participation. That's everything. Thank you again, Jeff. Hope everybody has a fantastic day. Thank you so much for listening. See you next time. Thank you. Hi, I'm Dave Gebro. I threw my career as a licensed hearing instrument specialist in the trash, sold my house, and created the ultimate music obsessives podcast, Discograffiti. Each episode of Discograffiti features an eclectic and wide-ranging slew of cool musicians doing long-form deep-dive interviews in which we rate either their favorite band's output or their own from zero to five stars. From Mike Watt rating the Minutemen to Terry Kirkman from The Association, Bob Nastanovich on Pavement, Bob Forrest on The Band, Bob Mayer on The Replacements, and Lou Barlow on The Zombies, each new guest swings a hard left into an area you either had no idea you needed to know about or know all about and can't believe you're not alone out there. Coming up, here's who we've got on the program. The Lemon Twigs, Robert Schneider from The Apples and Stereo, the Dedrick Siblings from The Free Design, Joel Self on mother-murdering superstar drummer Jim Gordon and a record-breaking 20-hour interview with the great Michelle Phillips about the mamas and the papas. You're not going to want to miss it because there's nothing quite like it. Don't let your youth go to waste, lads and ladies. Discograffiti. Subscribe. Hello, and welcome to Novel Conversations, a podcast about the world's greatest stories. I'm your host, Frank Lavallo. And for each episode of Novel Conversations, I talk to two readers about one book. And together, we summarize the story for you. We introduce you to the characters, we tell you what happens to them, and we read from the book along the way. So if you love hearing a good story, you're in the right place. Our ninth season is coming this fall. Tune in to hear from some of the all-time great authors, Charles Dickens, Jules Verne, F. Scott Fitzgerald, and more. Subscribe to Novel Conversations wherever you listen to podcasts.